Hey everyone, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. <sighs> this morning was crazy. It started with a sound of like a jackhammer, <laughs> but it was the curing machine trying to make a cup of coffee. A new one, new, new machine. Yeah, something's wrong with that machine. And then the cup of coffee tasted like a, a sack of chemicals. It was like, and then my daughter puked. Yeah, she's not going to school today. And then found out, got a text message from the nanny, you know, who helps us out in the mornings with the kids. Yeah, her car's broken down. She's not going to be here. And then the other daughter is sitting there like not, just not willing to put on her shoes or brush her teeth or eat breakfast this morning. Not willing. <laughs> so anyway, in the midst of all this, I'm thinking, yeah. So first of all, I never thought to pick up excess food to deal with the stress. So that's a win. And it made me think of this book um, that I'm reading right now. Let me get it for you. Field trip. Okay. <laughs> the book is called Brain Over Binge. And I'm like, you know, halfway through it. And uh, I don't know this woman, this author. I, you know, I don't get any money to promote her. There's, you know, whatever. I'm just, just a person reading a book. And I got to tell you, this book is brilliant. Um, yeah. Sorry about that little distraction there. But I wanted to show you the book. Um, here's what I learned from this book. It's not too dissimilar from the bright line eating philosophy, but it's articulated in slightly different words. And I found over the last five days or so that I've been devouring this book that the penny dropped for me to a whole new level. And because it's holiday time for a lot of us, I don't know where in the world you are. I don't know what holidays you celebrate, but for many people around the globe, this is uh, a holiday time for the next couple months. And it's therefore a time of more stress, generally speaking. It's also a time of more food and what, what in Bright Line Eating we call NMF, not my food and not my drink, NMD. Um, so there's all this food around, there's all this drink around, there's all this sort of stress in the air. And then there's also this sort of pressure of expectation of like gift buying and you should be grateful and you should be happy. And if, you know, family love is in the air. So if you've got kind of a sticky, difficult, tricky family, that sort of brings its own sort of guilt and stress and baggage and isolation and stuff like that. Feelings of, you know, being on the outside while everybody else is happy with their family. All kinds of stuff come up for people during holiday times. One of my best friends in the world, she gets like reliably down every year, right around now. She's just down for a couple months. Um, and I know she's not alone. A lot of people orient toward the holidays this way. So I feel like the message in this book, Brain Over Binge, is especially helpful now. So let me just share the message with you in a nutshell, because maybe it'll help you the way it helped me. The author of this book had an eating disorder, like super bad. She would binge massive binges, just, you know, kind of like mine, like that sort of 8,000, 10,000 calorie binge, like just basically eating until your stomach feels like it's going to pop, 
um, really wicked binges. If you don't know the definition of a binge, a binge is consuming in a short period of time way more food than a normal person would with a feeling of being out of control about it. That's what a binge is technically. So she was a binge eater. She was also bulimic. So her form of compensation was that the day after a binge, she would run or do other aerobic exercise on an elliptical machine or a stationary bike or or a treadmill or a circuit thereof to remove that excess caloric load from her system. She would do that exercise for six or seven or eight hours the next day, every time. So that's, that's exercise bulimia. I mean, that's a wicked form of exercise bulimia. So it doesn't have to be that bad. Exercise bulimia is anytime you're, you're trying to work off calories, either before or after. You're thinking in your head, ooh, I just ate a lot, so I better work out. That's exercise bulimia. So the author of this book went to therapy for her eating disorder. I did this, like she and I have a very similar background. That's that's the way I was. I didn't do the exercise bulimia thing. I stuck my fingers down my throat for a while and did the real bulimia thing. Um, I also did the crystal meth um, diet and the crack cocaine diet and the, you know, there's other ways to sort of compensate for eating. Um, but like her, I also went to therapy in my early 20s, eating disorder therapy, individual therapy, group therapy, hypnosis, and on and on. And what she learned from her therapist was eating disorders are tricky. They're deep. You've got to figure out the triggers that lead you to binge and sort of work to avoid those triggers. You've got to learn better coping mechanisms than the binging. You've got to up-level your skills a little bit. you got to look at your family dynamics because there's some family systemic ill health there that you got to heal. you got to look at your low self-esteem and your depression and your anxiety, because all those things are correlated with eating disorders. You got to heal on the inside. Um, you got to look at your level of self-compassion because you're really hard on yourself, that perfectionism, that driving sort of force. You got to heal that. And in therapy, they worked on all that stuff for years. And meanwhile, she's thinking, I'm still binging three times a week. And for her, binging three times a week meant three days a week of exercising all day. That was pretty much taking up her whole life. And in all those years of therapy, her binging never went down. It never decreased. It went, it actually increased over those years. And then she read a book on what's called rational recovery, which is interesting. I've never up until now really investigated rational recovery at all. Um, I'm a 12-step girl and rational recovery, I've heard of it. My understanding is it's a movement that actually came about from people who didn't like the 12-step movement, for whom it didn't work, um, especially the higher power God bit. So they, you know, had a different take on it. I never, you know, 12-step stuff worked for me, so I never really was in a position to need to investigate rational recovery. But anyway, she did. She read this book on rational recovery and it gave her a whole different perspective and she stopped binging on a dime and she's been free of binging all these years. It's like probably 12 years or something. And in the book, she shares the secret, this mental shift that cured her bulimia and her binge eating disorder that fast. And I think it's a message that will work for anybody regardless of how bad your eating issue is. You don't have to be, uh, you don't have to have an eating disorder. You don't have to have binge eating disorder or 
um, bulimia or anything like that for this to work. Anybody who's going through this holiday season with a brain that's going to try to talk them into eating food that's not in their best interest should listen up because here's, here's the message. Here's what she learned. Um, the message, generally speaking, is a, a message of the brain. Listen for the similarities to how I talk about the brain. It goes like this. Look, your brain has a couple different parts. It's got the sort of cortex, which is the human, evolved, rational, planning, executive function part, the cortex. And then it's got the base sort of animalistic brain. Okay, these people aren't neuroscientists, and that's totally fine. They did a good job of describing um, these basic differences. It's true. You've got sort of the the cortex up top, and then you've got the lower structures, including the brainstem and the, the limbic system, all these sort of, that term isn't really in good favor these days. But anyway, you know, the hypothalamus in these areas. And the hypothalamus governs your eating behavior, mostly. And um, these are very primitive parts of the brain that evolved to sort of drive you to execute behaviors that would keep you alive, including eating enough food, right? And these lower structures of the brain can get hijacked sometimes, in particular when you're dieting, like when you're reducing calories. This woman came to believe that her bulimia started essentially when she started dieting as a teenager. Dieting is very dangerous, um, in particular because it wakes up this animalistic part of your brain. It makes it drive you to eat more food to keep you alive, right? It makes sense. This is not faulty wiring. This is what a healthy brain should do. If it notices a drop in caloric intake that's sustained over a period of days and weeks, it should go, whoa, you better increase your motivation to eat, baby, or you're going to starve to death, right? So makes perfect sense. So this animalistic part of the brain is driving you to eat more. And, you know, in certain cases, it goes way overboard and it gets you to binge, okay? Whether it does or not is not really the point here. But the point is that, first of all, that lower base brain, it's not you in the sense that it's it's got nothing to do really with the higher part of your brain, the part where your goals, your desires, your highest self, your consciousness, your um, your vision for yourself, your plans, all that stuff lives up here. And here's what the good news is. You know what else lives up top? Like right up here, right underneath where my headband is? Motor cortex primary motor cortex is actually in the frontal lobe, just above the sulcus that divides it from the parietal lobe, just anterior of, of that sulcus is primary motor cortex, just underneath right here. It's a strip, right? That goes along like that, just like my headband, right underneath. Primary motor cortex is the part of your brain that, that allows you to move, to go open the refrigerator, to bend your elbow to eat that NMF. Primary motor cortex is in your control. The lower basal brain can't touch it unless you say yes. So the little mental ninja trick was she learned, first of all, her eating disorder fundamentally was not about her boundaries, her coping mechanisms, her family drama, her depression, her anxiety, her self-esteem, her lack of self-compassion. Now, all that stuff mattered in the global sense and improving in all those areas was a good goal for her life, but it wasn't necessary to cure her bulimia. The only thing necessary for her to cure her bulimia and her binging was to stop binging. That's it. After that, 
she's just a human being with the bag of monkeys that we've all got on our back carrying, you know, we're just carrying around this bag of monkeys that's and we all need to like sort of, you know, work on that bag of monkeys a little bit. I guess the term would be a barrel of monkeys, whatever, you know, but we've all got that, right? That's life healing in all those ways. And yes, the journey of living without excess food is going to be easier if you do that work. I'm a big fan of that work. We've got courses in Brightline Eating to do that work. Brightline Freedom is an amazing course. Yes, it makes it a lot easier. But first, I recommend you stop eating excess food. So here's the mental analogy that I came to as I was reading this book. I was thinking of the baby gate that we used to use when Alexis and Zoe were infants. Do you know what I'm talking about? These baby gates? Like we actually got a ring of baby gates that we would put in the living room. There was, we we had no furniture. (laughs) We just put this ring of baby gates in the living room. And, um, when things were getting intense, like around the time that I had to cook dinner and David wasn't home yet, I put the kids in there. And they were safe and they could just crawl around with some toys and they were fine. They were safe in there. And then they were contained and I could go make dinner or whatever I needed to do, right? Put a load of laundry in and I knew they weren't going to, you know, a house can only be baby proofed so much, right? So I started to think about those thoughts being generated by the animalistic brain of like, and the way that it it comes up in my own voice and it tries to sneak me into like, you know, you deserve it. Um, you can resume tomorrow. Um, it'll taste so good. Oh, that relief will feel great. Like this morning, right? With all this stuff happening. It's funny that my brain didn't propose to me that I eat. Um, but had those thoughts started, there are times in the past where I would have gotten um, really taken aback, I would have, I would have reacted to those thoughts and my fear about them. Like, what if these thoughts grow and I'm not able to handle it? And then my anxiety and my fear about these thoughts would, would feed into them. And soon, soon enough, it would swell into a tsunami that would crash over me and I'd eat. So instead of that, the mental ninja move is to say, those thoughts aren't me. In fact, any thought that's trying to get me to eat food that's off my Brightline eating food plan, by definition, is not me. That's how you can identify it. It's like, is that thought, whatever it is, going in the direction of trying to get you to eat food that's not on your plan in any way outside the scope of your plan? Well, that's not you. Not only is it not you, it's not in your highest interest, right? Your highest self in your quietest most rational, kind of self-evolved, self-actualized, calm, confident, clear moments knows that what's in your best interest is to stick to your Brightline eating food plan because that's the source of peace and sanity and goodness, right? That's, that's where you're available to yourself and others. You feel awesome. You're healthy. You're alive. Any thought that's trying to get you to eat off that plan is not you, right? So the mental ninja move is you take those thoughts and you put them in the pen. (laughs) You put them in the baby gate, right? The little gate where you keep the puppy or the, you know, the cat that sprays all over the house, whatever, right? You got these ways to gate and cordon off these little creatures, right? You just put them, put them in the pen. 
And then you're outside, you and your motor, motor cortex, your ability to choose whether you open the refrigerator or not, whether you go to the cupboard or not, whether you bend your elbow and put that food in your mouth or not, you and your motor cortex are on the same side. Those thoughts cannot get you to eat. They just can't. They don't have access to your motor cortex without your permission, right? So don't fall for the trick. Don't get involved in the bag of monkeys. I'm going to keep going with the bag of monkeys metaphor. (laughs) Whatever. It's working for us for this video. Don't get involved with the bag of monkeys. Not my circus. Not my monkey. Don't worry about it. Get those thoughts in the pen and then just watch them. Watch them spin. Watch them move. You don't have to worry about it. You don't even have to journal. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is not let your motor cortex get involved. Don't open the fridge. All you got to do. With that one little mental ninja move, she stopped binging forever. (sighs) That was so helpful for me to read. It's like, you know what? That's right. And since I read that chapter in the book, yeah, I mean, well, real, a a while before that too, but my food is like, not only is my food immaculate, but it's like the peace of the separation between me and those thoughts. What happens when you separate yourself from those thoughts is eventually they go extinct. There's just nothing feeding them anymore. There's no behavioral reinforcement feeding them. There's no mental agitation feeding them. There's no sympathetic nervous system arousal, the fight or flight response, getting all agitated because of them and creating an, you know, All of those things can be reinforcing. As soon as you create that little bit of space, those thoughts aren't me. They can't get me to act. I'm fundamentally safe. Put them in the pen. Let them do their thing. As long as you don't actually activate your motor cortex, you're safe. Those thoughts can't get you to eat. Let them rise and fall. This is one of the reasons why meditation, I think, is a really helpful um, aspect of our bright line eating program because, um, it gives us practice with letting thoughts rise and fall. Even if you don't meditate, this mental ninja move is its own meditation. As soon as the thoughts to eat come, anything off your plan, you separate yourself from them. You put them in the pen, you let them spin. Your only job is to not act on them. Isn't that interesting? And then we can go on to do all that other great work. Work on our boundaries and our family systems and our, you know, our coping skills and our depression and all that stuff. It's really great to work on that stuff. I'm a fan. So I hope with this little twist on the saboteur, which of course, you know, that's what we call this, this, this voice, right? The saboteur, the voice that tries to get us to eat off our plan. With this little twist, I hope that um, the holidays will be a little bit more peaceful for you. I know for myself, um, eating off plan is not worth it. And I have experienced so many holidays sticking to my bright lines and tapping in to the warmth, the family, the connection, the love that's there always, and really has nothing to do with eating that food with people. My head wants to tell me the only way to connect really, really is to eat that food with them. Not true. That's, that's that thought. Put it in the pen. That's not true. The holiday is going to be just fine 
with my bright line food. And as a matter of fact, I know from experience it will be better. It will be better because I will feel great about myself and living in my highest self, I'll be able to connect more with the people that I love. I'll be more present for them. And I'll actually even be using the tool of connection to show up in the moment as one of the strategies to like focus on something else other than those thoughts that are swirling in that pen. So anyway, lastly, I just want to say that book Brain Over Binge was recommended to me by somebody. It was recommended by Dr. Joy Jacobs. She's an eating disorder specialist. She's also in our Bright Line Eating tribe. She's a, she's a graduate of the Bright Line Eating boot camp. She's a bright lifer. And um, she lives in San Diego. She's a professor at uh, UCSD, and she's the head of their eating disorders program. She does coaching for us now, both for our boot campers and our bright lifers. She also is the moderator of our eating disorders um, sub-community. Like we've got a, a Facebook group for people in particular who have a history of binging or purging or restricting who are doing bright line eating. And that book was helpful for, helpful to her too. She really recommends it to people. So I was, you know, a lot of people in our tribe have been reading it. So I've been reading it. I want to, um, just tip you off. If you pick up the book, um, the first like six chapters can be kind of triggering in the sense that she goes into describing her binges in a lot of detail. So it didn't bother me. I read every word. But if it bothers you, you can skim that part. The upshot is, I already told you, she binges in huge quantities and then she spends all day exercising it off. (laughs) So you can just flip through those pages five and then start reading in detail starting in chapter seven. That's where she gets into the good stuff. Um, But thank you, Dr. Joy, for... um, for being an amazing part of our community and for recommending that book. It's really, really, really helpful to me. And I think it's going to be so helpful to so many people who struggle with um, not realizing that there can be such a clear separation between them and those thoughts, which if you have a history of acting on them in the past can feel so scary, those thoughts. It can feel like the minute they show up, eating is a foregone conclusion. And it's not. It's so not. Just take the thoughts, put them in the pen. They're not you. I hope that helps uh, through this beautiful holiday season. I love you so much. I'll see you next week.